This is David Dura, and you're hearing the Ukramedia podcast. Hello, Ukramedia family. Vladimir Praknevsky here, and welcome to another episode of the Ukramedia podcast, where it is my mission to introduce you to as many talented motion designers as possible. And today's guest is David Dura. David is an art director and motion designer from Barcelona, Spain, now residing in The Hague, Netherlands. David, welcome to the show and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Hi, Vlad. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. And pleasure, one thing that people, most people don't know is that I used to do uh, ballroom dancing. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, I did it for seven years when I was, well, I started as a teenager uh, when I was 13. And then... Yeah, I don't know. Just at the beginning, it was because I wanted to meet girls, believe it or not. <laughs> I was about to ask you. Okay, great strategy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it kind of worked. And <laughs> and yeah, then later on with college and work and everything, I had to drop that. But it was fun while it lasted. That's pretty cool. So my wife, she's into that. And obviously, I'm from Ukraine. And uh, man, we can't dance, especially me. I, I'm just... <laughs> You know, if you see me dancing, that means that I lost it or I'm drunk or something happened because, man, I don't usually dance at all. But that's those are one of the things that she likes to do, ballroom dancing. Now, what one advice would you give me for, for somebody who's just now starting out in ballroom dancing? Man, what should I know? Well, first of all, you have to maybe uh, got a sense of the of the rhythm, of the beat of the music, just focusing on that. And once you kind of know that or master that or have a sense of that, yeah, you're pretty much set to do whatever you want and, and start your your career in the ballroom dancing world. That's dangerous. <laughs> now, I'm curious, you know, so seven years in ballroom dancing and you're talking about rhythm and, uh, you know, beats and all that stuff. I wonder if all those skills you learn in seven years, did, did that carry over to motion design? I never thought about that, but... It can very well be my sense of of kind of rhythm and and yeah this sort of thing maybe started there like <laughs> want to know yeah what was the beat going and yeah and, and the the sense of time and and when to cut this this shot and start the other one and it's very similar this isn't it? kind of things yeah 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 it is it is yeah. I'm a huge believer that all the skills that you have prior before you get into motion design, they all carry over. Like I was a soccer player growing up and even the, the skills, that you, the disciplines, the, all these different micro skills, they all carry over. So, but that's pretty cool. You know, you're mentioning rhythms and beats and uh, that definitely carries over to motion graphics perfectly. Now I'm, I, I have a quick question. So you, you said you're originally from Barcelona, Spain, right? How do you say Barcelona in Spanish? Isn't it like Barcelona or something like that? <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, in Spanish it's called Barcelona, but I do have to say from people from Barcelona, it's pronounced Barcelona. Okay. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if I told you this, but I used to live in Tarragona, Spain. So me and my yeah. twin brother, yeah, we lived in, I think it was like Segur de Calafel or something like that. Costa yeah, yeah, Dorado. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm saying it wrong, but yeah, that's the place. And I remember we went to this water park. It was a uh, water, uh, something Leon, something Leon park. Wow. But anyway, Aqualeon. Aqualeon, yes, <laughs> yes, Aqualeon. Oh my gosh, yeah, I, I have pictures yeah. from uh, from that place. Anyway, I, I lived there, me and my twin brother. And then at one point, 
we were fluent in Spanish. We spoke, I guess, Catalonian. I don't, I don't know the difference. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Were, we were huge wow. Barca fans. Yeah, isn't that cool? <laughs> Who isn't? Yeah, right, right, right. And <laughs> I remember when we would watch um, during the, the Barca games, when they would play Madrid, I remember mm-hmm. when we were, lived in Tarragona, they would shoot cannons every time Barca scored. I, re- oh, I remember hearing really? them go off. Yeah. I just remember hearing the the big loud boom, you know. Every t- it's like, oh, Barca scored. And it was during the time when we lived there, Luis Figo was on the team. It was uh, Ronaldo was on the team. It was like the good wow. days. Stoichkov. That's I remember a while Stoichkov. back. In the 90s. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I feel like I kind of I can kind of relate um, to mm-hmm. to where you're from. And I remember visiting Barcelona. We went to this big cathedral, big church uh, in Barcelona. So that was kind of special. I remember it was just ancient. It was really cool. I don't know much about it, but I remember hopping on train stations, going seeing that place. So very cool. Yeah. When was the last time you were in in Spain? Well, actually, well, my last time that I was in Spain, it was one month ago no no more two months ago and i was actually planning on going next week but of course it's not everything going on Mm -hmm. yeah speaking of everything that's going on i hear that spain probably got hit spain and italy got hit the hardest with uh covid19 what's it like over there right now well as far as i know i've well my my mother had some acquaintances that yeah that got affected pretty bad my family thank god they are okay and yeah they're staying at home and cleaning everything twice (laughs) or thrice and yeah yeah so that's a relief but yeah we know people that yeah have been affected by that so what about what about work for for right now like i'm curious in the motion the motion graphics in the motion graphics industry in europe in general has it slowed down quite a bit i heard it has but i was very 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 lucky because when it hit the whole crisis i was working actually uh, for a company as a freelance and they just said okay let's continue with the project uh, just working remote which was fine for me. And then after that, the same company had more work. So they just asked me again. Uh, so I've just been really actually busy. working the whole time. And Good this is you, my man. first week off. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. 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 No, it's good for you, man. And I think it's all about what industry you're in. You know, there are obviously certain industries are doing really well, like the grocery stores and toilet paper industry. Oh, oh yeah. Toilet paper for sure. <laughs> all of them. So uh, they need motion designers. They need people to make stuff for them. So I think it's just a matter of shifting industries. Obviously, travel industry is hurting. So they don't need as much stuff. But I think it all just shifts. So. Hopefully, yeah. it's all going to go back to normal soon. Yeah, I think also in, in nowadays, I think lots of companies, they will know how to adapt to this mm-hmm. because, well, if it's a company, they need to make money. And if they think or they if they thought that motion graphics and animation would help them with that, they will find a way to make that happen. It's just going to take more or less time, but it, it's going to happen. True. And everyone has time on their hands right now. Plenty of time exactly. to, to think exactly. about how to solve those solutions. And as creatives, you know, especially like creative industries or motion designers in general, 
I think it's a great opportunity to get creative and think of other ways of making money, meaning like, you know, venture into other things as well. Maybe like creating courses, passive income, scripts, yeah. and all these other things that you can venture in that are alternative mm -hmm. source of income. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah totally. I was, yeah, well, I was thinking about that. It's a good time but, to yeah. start venturing to that stuff. Yeah. Now let's, let's shift gears and talk about your creative journey. So I'm curious to find out how did you get started in motion design? Well, I started motion design kind of because I had a, a, a teacher that he was teaching us. Well, when I, while I was in college, my second time in college, because my first time I, I did uh, computer engineering. Wow. And okay. yeah, I had to drop that out because it was not creative at all for me. So I had some time, a year and a half or something like that, that I decided that I wanted to do graphic design. And I did graphic design. And on my third year, I had a teacher that he was teaching motion graphics and giving, it, giving us a sense of the programs and all that stuff. And it got me really, really, really interested. And I started to learn things by myself, even before the teacher could tell us anything about it, because I was really, really into it. And then the teacher itself, herself, told me that I could help her with some short films. And then I got an internship also in motion design, even though I was doing graphic design. Oh, and wow. yeah. And from there, I just mixed both worlds. Some, sometimes graphic design, sometimes motion design. That's awesome. I think it's pretty cool that you started out as a in computer engineer out of all things. And, you know, every time you think of a computer engineer, you think someone who can't draw or do anything creative, right? But you were exactly. able to use kind of like both sides of the brain. What was that like? It was weird. It was weird because, yeah, I remember the video that they showed us when we were at the first day at class. And they showed us what Lord of the Rings was very in for that. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. And they showed us a video of a motion capture animation. And they put, uh, well, yeah, a person with all these little balls and then how it translated into an orc and how cool was that. And we were all like dreaming and stuff like that. And the second day in the, <laughs> in the career and uh, in college, and it was nothing like that. It was mainly math. Ouch. And yeah, and I was kind of bummed, but I, I decided that I wanted to give it a shot. And yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't. Also I had some personal issues, but yeah, that, mm, that wasn't my thing. That wasn't my thing. So I decided that I wanted to do graphic design. Do you know any like, uh, I don't know, web, like HTML, JavaScript, any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do some HTML and now that I got, actually thanks to Ucremedia, I got awesome. a little bit into script, well, expressions. expressions. Nice. Yeah, I was about to perfect. ask you that. Because that, yeah, that, that connects perfectly with your computer engineering. You got yeah, some you know, yeah, JavaScript well, knowledge. Least, yes. Yes. And it's, how to say it, it's not weird for mm -hmm. me to see code. So it doesn't scare me as much. I, I love how you say it doesn't scare you as much because that's something that we get quite a bit from creatives because creatives, like anything that's like scripting, coding, it just scares people because like, oh man, like I don't know any of this stuff. But 
you know, you be starting out as a computer engineer, you didn't have that fear that most creatives have. So that was an advantage for you. Good for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Now <laughs> let's talk about your, um, your, well, this is the darkest, this is my favorite question to ask. I want to hear okay. about your darkest moment in your creative journey. So David, don't hold back any punches, man. <laughs> okay. I've got two worst, <laughs> worst Love moments. It. Yeah. One was while doing a website in, in the graphic design world. Oh, I can relate because... to that. I'm, I'm a web designer and developer too. So <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we agreed with uh, a per well, yeah, uh, a client contacted me and my girlfriend that uh, back there. Well, my ex girlfriend now, but we were like a sort of some sort of a studio back then. And he was like, "Yeah, I want a I want a website. I want to well do something new because mine has been outdated for a while. So I think you can help help us out." And we said, "Yes, okay, sure." And we then sent him an. Uh, they say a budget and we specified all the things that we would do and all the things that we would not do in terms of we will not do the content we will not do the maintenance of that we will do the design we will do the implementation and the server and stuff and and yeah that was the first time well after one week with this being approved we had been working on that and we showed him the website, well, a draft of the website. And he was like, yeah, but all this content is outdated. I mean, this is what's on the website, but you should put the new one. And it's like, we don't have any new content. And after a while, the the dialogue become kind of heated. And that was the first time that I got really yelled by a client. Wow. What did that feel like? Yeah. How did you do it? I don't know that? how to describe it, but I I don't know. I was kind of <laughs> how how what did I do with that? I just uh, remained silent because <laughs> I knew that if I had said anything, yeah, I would have said anything but pretty things. Right, right, right. <laughs> you would have blessed yeah. them really well. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious, what did you what did you learn from that experience? I learned that it's better to be clear with the client before you start working and uh, leave anything, leave any doubt outside the equation and be just, yeah, like that, be just perfectly crystal clear. I'm not going to do that. And we agreed upon this because back then I was, well, I was kind of new and I didn't have the, the guts to say anything. And I was just like, yeah, well, okay, we'll work on that. And nowadays, maybe I would just plainly say, this is not what we agreed upon. Okay, if you just would have a um, pay us what we uh, what we agreed, and we'll go different ways. Mm, that's good advice. You know, my my lawyer friend always told me. He said, Vladimir, always keep everything in writing, agreements, yeah. you know, back and forth it's always a smart idea to make sure that, you know, a lot of times you just, you can just pick up the phone and call somebody. It's like, okay, you want to agree on this? Okay, great. Let's go ahead and follow through with this. But it's always 
in my personal experience, it's always best to to keep things in writing through email. So that way, something like that happens, you can always go back in your agreement. And you already had a written agreement, which uh, yeah. made it easier for you, right? I guess in your case, you just wish you exercised your authority a little more, right? Exactly. Exactly that. Yeah. Now, totally. what was the second story? <laughs> My second story was uh, when I was working with uh, Crowd Studio while they were doing, I think it was for the ADC uh, opening in, I don't know which year. And we had agreed to do the opening titles. For, no, the bumpers, I think. Yeah, the, the bumpers for each section of the event. And I had to receive some 3D models from uh, with uh, from another freelancer. And with that, I had to do some morphing and animation, and I had no idea how to do it, no idea whatsoever. But they, it was like a last-minute job, and they said, yeah, well, it's okay if it's not that perfect. We just kind of want this. And they showed me something that I could do. But then when they saw what they have asked me, it was not really what they wanted. And I had no knowledge. I had no good computer to do all of that. I was stressed out because it was like, I don't know, 7 p.m. And for the next day or not the next, uh, I don't know, it was like two days after that, we had to present something. Ouch. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we end up, Doing some other way, which was not, uh, well, it was improvised, but it ended up being pretty good and very nice. And people actually liked the bumpers better than the actual opening titles of the event. Wow, so, so it worked out. It worked out. It worked out. But you went through hell, right? <laughs> totally. Absolutely. I, I remember this stress that, oh, I, that I was I felt upon. it. Yeah. I felt moment. the stress. You just telling this story. I, f I went through that stress with you. Yeah. So what did you learn from that experience? <laughs> I learned that, yeah, just not overreach that much. Because I, I like to overreach from time to time because I think it's one of the moments where you can learn really is when you have to. Uh, yeah, because the the job ask for a different set of skills or a different knowledge and you just have to be aware on how much you can learn and don't not stretch just... yourself too too much right exactly yeah yeah, yeah so totally. you stretch yourself you stretch yourself a little too much but in a weird way i guess you know it worked out but man what if it didn't <laughs> exactly exactly it was it, yeah it was crazy it was crazy well, let's shift gears and talk about something positive. Now, tell us the, the story, I guess, the moment in your creative journey that you actually enjoyed, your best moment. Uh, my best moment was with, also with Crowd Studio, actually. Um, and we had, uh, how do you say, uh, well, we spoke at Off, as, yeah, in, in one of the, I don't know, in one of the big rooms, not the biggest, but one of the other rooms. And I got to stand in front of 500 people and just, nice. yeah, speak, which was frightening, <laughs> but, but it was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I always remember that very fondly. How long was the speech? 
It was, I think, half an hour. Wow, that's a that's a lot to cover, and you can say a lot in half an hour. How did it go? How long did it take you to prepare for this? <laughs> that's another thing because um, uh, they, yeah, yeah, Crowd Studio had written the whole thing over and over and over, and we had been practiced a bit, but it was not until two hours <laughs> before we had to spe- uh, to speak that we had the final final document so wow. and uh, yeah and, and they were not uh, english fluent so i had to carry some of the weight and yeah yeah it was i well in my opinion lo- looking now backwards i how do you say that i read too much and i would have preferred now well yeah if i have done it now i probably would have just said it from top of my head and in my own words just keeping it more of, raw yeah yeah, exactly. Well, you live and learn, right? I'm curious to hear what yeah. advice would you give to someone who has to give a presentation? Like, how do you deal with nerves? How do you deal with nerves? Like being nervous and all that. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you well, overcome being nervous? Actually, yeah, I think this is one of the things for me. I got very, very, very nervous the seconds before that. And then after but, that, everything went away. Yeah. Once <laughs> you're funny. in there, it's like... Fuck it, I have to do it. Right, right. You gotta do what you gotta do. It's kind of like yeah, uh, playing soccer, and as soon as you hear that whistle, start of the game, it's like all the nerves go away. It's like boom, you're in it. You totally forget about people, and so I can definitely relate to that. Let's transition to your uh, to a quick Q and A round. So I have like a total of I believe six qu- quick questions for you. And the first one is, how do you overcome creative blocks? I overcome creative block by first going out. Nice. Just taking a, a walk or I actually nowadays I live nearby a park, which is very, very big and full of green stuff and such. And that's very good. And it helps me a lot. And the second thing that I do, and I think it's great for people to do, is to get bored. Mm. For that's real. Get creative. Just, yeah. Yeah, because I, I a lot of I, I don't know who who said that. I think it was in one of the videos from the future, and I think yeah, I think it was Matthew Encina, and he and he reminded me that when we are kids, we are very very imaginative, and we we always are we are always playing with anything that we that we have, and we make the most of it, and this is because we are bored right now uh, at, at that moment and it helps us to work on something and to work on whatever we have and and that's what i do i try to get bored and just maybe go out and not listening to a podcast or not uh, not taking my phone with me or any book or whatever just i don't know get bored or enjoy the moment whatever comes first you know it's interesting you say that because just last night me and my wife we had a conversation and i told her that my goal for for this year is to not be on my phone as much as possible. Like I go on, on runs and I'm, I told her I'm not going to take my phone with me to track my runs because I would track my runs, how far I run and all that good stuff. And at the same time, I would listen to podcasts. And uh, I think over-information is kind of, uh, in a weird way, killing your creativity. So sometimes just being bored for half an hour to an hour running 
is vital for you. And I have two kids. I have two children. I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. And it's wow. interesting. My wife just a couple, couple days ago, I was concerned. I was like, because everyone's at home right now. No one's in school. I'm like, man, our kids are bored. And she's like, good, let them be bored. It's good for them. They get creative. And then I yeah. looked at them and I looked at them and they were like playing with like random things that I, they have a bunch of toys, but they're not using their toys. They're creating like weird <laughs> things with like our utensils and like kitchen stuff and like other things that they find around the house. And they create this yeah. tree house out of trash pretty much. I'm like, wow, that's, you're so right. They use creativity when you're bored. And anyway, yeah, so yeah. that's definitely closer to home. That's awesome. Great advice, man. I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glad to help. <laughs> now, if you could give one piece of advice to aspiring motion designers, what would it be? Other than being yeah. bored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't be stressed out to not having all the tools you want. Mm, great advice. Wow. Yeah, because, I th yeah, well... I, I can speak from personal experience that I've always, I don't know, postponed things like, oh, I, I don't have the best computer or I don't have the the right amount, the right paper to draw this or I don't have this to do calligraphy or whatever. And yeah, then I, I think it's the same with a with camera. I mean, not because you have the best camera, you're going to be the best photographer. So you can be the best photographer just by, just by having a, a crappy one. So yeah. it's just, yeah. I, I love that. You, you know why I can relate <laughs> to that? Especially when you said camera. I'm sorry I keep interrupting you here. <laughs> but when you said no, camera, no, for, for the last like five years, I've been using a camera. My father's camera was like a couple hundred bucks, like maybe two, three hundred bucks. And I always complain like, oh, I wish I had a better camera. But, you know, with that camera... I made videos that probably been seen well over a million time, million views. And, and I had to get creative with this camera. I also used my cell phone camera and I've done these like cool vlogs for different theme parks and stuff like that with this camera. And I had to learn how to make this camera look expensive, not so cheap, you know? And now finally, just like a couple months ago, I bought a legit awesome, like several thousand dollar camera, but it took me years to learn because hmm. with if you, if I had a really nice camera, I would never learn the storytelling. I had to get creative and tell a story differently, you know, with no drones, with no this, you know. And so I think that in a weird yeah. way, when you have super expensive stuff, uh, it limits you. Just like the toys with kids, you know, let them get creative with simple things. Anyway, so great advice. Yeah. Wow, you just keep <laughs> keep bringing it on, man. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. Now, how do you balance cool. work and personal life? Oh yeah, that's easy. Oh, I really? Wow. That, yeah, I balance that poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I balance that right? poorly. Yeah. No, no, no. I said that I balanced it very poorly. <laughs> very because, poorly. yeah, well, it was even, even worse when I started doing my everydays because, yeah, then I had to do work on top of work and and then after that i i i met my my girlfriend and it was like i don't have 32 hours a day so i will either have to skip some sleep or skip some girlfriend or skip some everydays or skip some work or know or learn how to do that faster so which one did and you do? <laughs> I did a bit of everything. I did a bit of everything. That's smart. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because, well, 
Now I don't, well, actually this month, I haven't been able to do my everydays as much as I wanted because I prefer to be with my girlfriend or just keep working a little bit late and these sort of things. But yeah, I think at some point you have to really pick wisely what you prefer because you're not going to be able to do everything. Well said. What is your morning routine like? And how many hours do you sleep? I sleep depending on the day, but let's say I can be functional having <laughs> slept for four hours. Wow, four hours. That's very little. What, what's how, what, exactly? Yeah. I mean, curious to find out, like today, for example, how many hours did you sleep today? Oh, no, today I slept uh, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Okay, solid. With yeah, all this corona stuff, that's, right? that's another, <laughs> exactly. But that's another thing. I, right now, my body doesn't know how to sleep more than seven and a half hours. Same here, same I mean, here. I remember, yeah, back in the day, I could sleep nine hours and I would be fine. And right now it's like, even if I don't have the, the alarm clock, after seven and a half hours, I'm awake. I'm the same way. And I think it's because the older we grow, maybe because we're not growing anymore, maybe we don't need as much sleep or... I don't know. It's my theory, but it's true. Maybe. Like I can function on six hours and I'm okay. Like without any problems. Yeah. But then like younger yeah, yeah, kids, yeah. they have to have like eight, nine just to recover and all that stuff. So the struggle yeah, is real. True. The struggle yeah. is real. <laughs> it is. It is. Now, David, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Ballroom dancer? <laughs> no, no, but close. I would have loved to be a, a musician. Like right. to learn an instrument, some like a guitar, for instance. Yeah. Dude, you and I both. That's something I always want to learn. Yeah. <laughs> I think almost everybody I know, I, anybody I know. But yeah, it's something cool, distracting, and also creative, artsy. Yeah. Now, share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success. One of my personal habits, I think that would be practice and staying curious about everything love it i mean yeah yeah staying curious but not stressed about it because i for instance there's so many tutorials out there of things that i want to learn and at some point you just yeah you have to decide that you will learn some of those and i'm curious about everything and every once in a while i will look into them or just read some book that doesn't have to do anything with my field, but I think, but I find it interesting. So, yeah, I, I, I like to stay curious about the world in general. Well said. Now, last question, or next to the last question, recommend an internet resource that you find helpful in your work or personal life. Well, right now for me, uh, there's a website for 3D models that it's called Kitbash 3D. And I've been using that for a while for my everydays and for some personal projects. And I do that. And also the channel of the future, actually. I mean, all of this is beside Ucromedia. Of course. <laughs> I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. No, the future is awesome. I, I was just on it yesterday. Just so much wisdom, so much stuff that Chris Doe is putting yeah. out. Yeah. It yeah, awesome. I, I love that. And it's so many different fields. Well, it's the same field, but at the same time, it, it's, it can be related to so many different ones. 
So that's what I like about it. No, and Chris Doe has had has so much. He has so much wisdom. I actually ran into him at the uh, Adobe Max this year or last year, I guess, over the summer. Oh, cool! Yeah, and he's a past guest on our podcast. I had him on a podcast, and I remember one thing that he told me before the interview. Before we, you know, just talking before we hopped on the interview, he said we were talking about preparation for podcasts and stuff like that. And he said, Vladimir, here's what you should do. He said, prepare for the podcast, then take all of your questions and throw them all away. I'm like, well, what do you mean? It's like, yeah, throw them all away and then just see where the conversation goes. I'm like, oh, wow. Easier said than done. I mean, it's pretty tough. Just throw everything away and, and just being raw. But it's kind of like going back to what you said earlier about giving a speech. There is something about just uh, just being raw. It comes across more genuine and people connect with being raw more so than scripted stuff. And that was great advice. That's something that was a big takeaway yeah. from from uh, from Chris Doe. Now, I'm still not there yet. I'm working on it. But uh, he, he's just, <laughs> I can uh, understand that. <laughs> he has a lot more practice than I do. And, and he's on a different, totally different level. Well, David, man, yeah. thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. For the last question, how can people get Absolutely. in touch with you? Well, they can send me an email at hello at com or just send me a direct message on Instagram. It's David D. Motion on Instagram. Awesome. Well, David, thank you for sharing your journey with us, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Happy to be here. All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with David Dura. David, thank you so much for your time. Enjoyed chatting with you. Make sure to check out David's website, daviddura.com spelled D-A-V-I-D-D-U-R-A.com. As always, all the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at euchromedia.com slash 93. And lastly, don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to euchromedia.com slash community. We have well over 4,000 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow and it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Media Podcast. Bye-bye.